I'm going to take you through a short stroll through the scripture. Give you a few things to consider. Maybe talk a little while about what's been one of my favorite subjects over the years. And then try and take you a little bit further. Bible's very clear, John 4.24, God is spirit. God is spirit. And uh, Jesus um, resurrected. His disciples were terrified because if they've killed our master, then they're going to come after us. So they were huddled together in this room. Bible is very clear. Doors are locked. Windows are all shut. All of a sudden, bam, he's there. Goes right through the wall. And um, this, they, they thought he was a ghost. They thought he was a, an apparition. And uh, the Greek word is uh, where we get the word hologram in English. They, they, they thought that they could stick their hand right through him like he was smoke or something, you know. And this is what he said. It's in Luke 24. He said, Behold my hands and feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bone, as you see me have. It says in John 1 and 18, No man has seen God at any time. It said the Son has declared him. So in other words, you're never going to find God if you don't go through the witness that he put in front of us of flesh when he wrapped himself in flesh. So God is a spirit. That's why nobody's ever seen God. Because a spirit doesn't have a body. That explains a verse. It's in Timothy. It says, under the king, eternal, immortal, Invisible. Invisible. So, so my question is simple. If God didn't get a body until Bethlehem, and we're talking about David in the Old Testament, way before Bethlehem, what in the world is the heart of God? If God didn't have a physical body until Bethlehem, what's known as the incarnation. What, what does it mean when it said David was a man after God's own heart? So we're obviously not talking about a physical heart. There's something else here going on. And uh, for instance, there are verses like this. This is Proverbs. It says, for as a man thinketh, in his heart, so is he. And that verse really gives you the real key of what's going on because it joins and highlights the word heart and thoughts. And uh, Jesus one time said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we're obviously not talking about this thing with ventricles and auricles and, and we're not talking about our physical heart. It's, it's got to mean something else in the Bible. And the answer is in Proverbs 23. It's the heart is your thought life. Just like your physical heart is the core of, of this body, your thought life is the, is the core. It's the most important thing of your spiritual life. And that's why, here, here's a verse that a lot of people use as a, as a way out. It's in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Two times in the Bible, it's, it's, it's exactly the same. It said, for my thoughts aren't your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So it's like you and me have nothing in common. Don't even try. But then I found this verse. It's in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. It said, let this mind be in you, 
which was also in Christ Jesus. He thought a certain way, and Paul was instructing us, we need to think like he thought. But wait a minute. His ways aren't my ways, and his thoughts aren't my thoughts, and man, the heavens are far above the earth, so how's that possible? Here's a verse that, that I think people have abused over the years. It's in Corinthians 2. I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. So they say, see there, we, we, we haven't, there's a lot of stuff we haven't seen yet, a lot of stuff we haven't heard yet, has, hasn't even entered into our heart. We, we haven't even thought about it, much less seen it or heard it. But you got to keep reading. And in the very next verse, Paul said, but God hath revealed those things unto us by his Spirit. That's why there's a scripture in Corinthians that said, we look at things, we look at things which are not seen. We're actually looking at something that you can't see. How do you do that? Because it said the things which are seen are temporal. The things which can't be seen are eternal. So we're going beyond physical stuff here. We believe there's something else going on here. And, and, and for years, for years now, I've been fascinated with this verse. It's in Thessalonians 5 and 23. It said, the very God of peace wants to sanctify you. And the word sanctify means separate. If you've ever studied the word church, church is a Greek word, ekklesia. It means the called out ones. That we, we're in this world, but we're not of it. We're supposed to be a witness. Paul one time called us ambassadors. And we have ambassadors from the United States to, to embassies all over the world. And, 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 and uh, it, the first prerequisite to be an ambassador is you have to be bilingual. <laughs> you, you can't just know your native tongue. You've you got to be familiar with the language of the place that you're going to. If we are ambassadors, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if your first language is English, fine. We have people in here that speak Spanish and Japanese and Chinese and Portuguese and lots of eases. That's great. But I want to know, are you a tongue talker? If we are an ambassador, we are representative from the new Jerusalem to this earth. We ought to be able to talk earth language, and we ought to be able to talk heaven language. <laughs> need to be bilingual. And, uh, and you know, uh, so I, I, I was in Burma one time, and I was, I was homesick. I, hadn't, I, I was a young husband. And I hadn't seen my wife for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, and they knew I, I still had several weeks of, of traveling to do. And I, I was, I was homesick. I just was. And I'll never forget this leader in Burma. His name was Bawaya. He, he couldn't say brother. He called me Burr. He said, come Burr Hoffman. And he grabbed my hand and we're walking down the street in Rangoon and we took a left through these big elaborate gates. And he just looked at me and he said, how do you feel? And I said, uh, I'm okay. No, no, no. He said, I know you, your heart's been sick. He said, look around. And so I turned around, and there was this elaborate Italianate building, very lots of cheesecake and beautiful landscaping. And on the front porch were these two United States Marines. And the flag, the United States flag, was flying from this building. And he said, this is the embassy of the United States of America, Pastor Hoffman. He said, I knew you were homesick, so I brought you home. Because by international law, I was no longer in Burma, or what they call Myanmar now. I was in the United States. This church is supposed to be the embassy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Understand that? This is, 
This is not, this is not Macomb County. This is not Michigan. Heaven's laws are supposed to operate here. You're supposed to talk like heaven, look like heaven, think like heaven. When people walk onto this property, they ought to go, whoa, what is that? You're not in Michigan anymore. It's important because we are ambassadors. We are represented from a foreign land to this earth. And that's why the Bible said you are peculiar people. The word peculiar doesn't mean weird. It doesn't mean odd. The best way to translate peculiar is precious possession owned by one. And we are that. We are owned by him. That's important. That's important. And, and, and so God wants to sanctify us. He wants to separate us. Do you look like the world? Do you talk like this world talks? Do you think like they think? Then you're not a witness. You're not an ambassador. Paul one time said, I'm a fool for Christ. <laughs> That's why the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the way we think is going to be very foreign to this culture. I use this example. Years ago, a generation ago, 40 years, the world operated at this. Now, now memorize this level right here, just wherever it is, if it equates to my chin or my shoulders, whatever. Think of this is the level that the world operated on. The church operated on a higher level up here. For years where I live, we never locked our doors. Never. Now, every night before I go to bed, I make sure all the doors are locked. I make sure all that's going on. We're in a different world now. See, there was always a, a space between where the world functioned and where the church functioned. And if all we are interested in is making sure we're not as bad as the world is, then this is what's going to happen. And as the world gets worse, we're not as bad as they are. However, look at the level of my hand. In a generation's time, the world can get, or the church can actually get to a place where it's functioning beneath where the world used to function 40 years ago. So this is what's going to happen. As the world gets weirder and wackier, there's, the space is going to grow. And you're going to have to be prepared for that because it's going to put pressure on you. And you're going to have to be willing to declare yourself. And you're going to have to do it. Because he, he doesn't want to just sanctify us partially. He wants to sanctify us Holy. So look at the word there in Thessalonians 5 and 23. It's not H-O-L-Y. It's W-H-O-L-L-Y. So it doesn't mean holiness like we think of in a church setting. God, what is the nature of God? You know, God is holy. I've heard people say God is love. No, 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 no. That comes out of his holiness. The nature of God is holiness. Holiness means you love what's right and you don't, you, you hate what's not right. That's holiness. That's God in a, in a microcosm right there. And so he wants to completely separate us unto himself. Watch. He wants to sanctify us holy spirit, soul, body. All three. So, so according to Thessalonians 5 and 23, we, we are a tripart being. We have a spirit separate from a soul, separate from the body. So if you take an x-ray, two-thirds of us is intangible. Two-thirds of us is never going to show up on an x-ray. 
You're never going to get an MRI and it's going to say, now that pink stuff over there, that's your spirit. And that lime green stuff over here, that's your soul. It's not going to work that way. It's limited to the physical body. It doesn't show the soul or the spirit. But the Word says we've got a spirit and a soul. And 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 so uh, if you go back to the beginning, which we always should do, you declare the end from the beginning. So if you go back to the beginning, you go to Genesis 2 and 7. And this is the way man was made. It said God formed man of the dust of the ground. What's that? That's the body. He breathed into him the breath of life. What's that? That's his spirit. And because God's life or spirit has been breathed into this body, it said man became, watch, watch, watch the wording, watch the syntax. He became a living soul. And so the adjective of soul is living. The antecedent of that is life. So it's simply proving the soul can't live without the life of God's spirit. Okay? It's, it's, very, it's very, very, very basic. And, and, and so look at two verses later. It talks about a tree of life in the middle of the garden. And interestingly enough, the word, it's a che is the Hebrew word, but, but, but it's same word in English, two and seven, two and nine, talk about life. It's a tree of life. And, and, and so there, there, there's a lesson here. He filled him once. God does CPR on this corpse and it lives and it's thinking properly. But he never did that again. It said he gave him a tree that furnished the same life that his spirit did. And so that, that's why you come to church. That's, that's why you read the word. Jesus said, my word is spirit and life. That's why you pray. Why do we do these things? Because it's one thing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's not going to keep doing that to you. That's why the Bible said in, it's in Titus. It says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his mercy, he has saved us. And it says that, that, that we have, that we have, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. If you want to do a little word study, go to Acts chapter two, verse four. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And just use that phrase and go through the first 13 chapters of Acts. And again and again and again, it says, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And there were people being added and the church was growing. But what you'll find so often is that very same original group of apostles who were filled with the Spirit in 2 and 4 get filled again and again. And again, and again, and again, and again. I, I did a Bible lesson years ago, and I had a, a jug of, of tea, and, 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 and it wasn't sweet. And I let somebody taste it. Is it sweet? No. And I had all these packs of sugar, and I, I would tear off two at a time and dump in there, and then let them, is it, is it sweet? No. And I, I put multiple packs of sugar in the tea, it stayed unsweetened. And I said, what's the lesson? The lesson is sugar doesn't sweeten tea. And then I had a big old wooden spoon that I had in my back pocket. And I took that spoon and I stirred that white sludge what was on the bottom of that glass and said, now drink it. And they went, yeah, yeah, it's real sweet now. That's, that's why Paul said, stir up the gift that is within you, because you got to keep this thing. That's your responsibility. Behold, I what this is what John said in Revelation. Behold, I will show you the king's bride. She hath made herself ready. John said, 
keep yourself from idols. Another book says, keep yourself in the love of God. That's not his job to keep you in that. That's my job to stay in that. I've met lots of people over the years in church that, are unfor- that, 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 that won't forgive. Why? Because they didn't keep themselves broken in prayer and renewed in the Holy Ghost. God breathed his breath into Adam, but he didn't do it again. He said, now you're going to have to be disciplined enough to get your carcass to the right orchard on a regular basis and eat the fruit from that tree called life, whatever the fruit was. They always said it was an apple. I read something years ago, said it wasn't the apple and the tree, it was the pear on the ground. Just think about it, you'll get it in a minute. (laughs) See, this is what you understand, folks. When God made stuff, he never spoke to what he made. He spoke to where it came from. There is not one verse in the book of Genesis in the creation account where God said, let there be fish. Fish, come forth. There's no verse like that. But there is a verse that's in Genesis 1 and 20, and it said, let the water bring forth abundantly. And that's where the fish came from. He never said, let there be trees, let there be grass. But there is a verse that said, let the earth bring forth. And that's why when God made stuff, he never spoke to what he created. He spoke to its source. He spoke to where it came from. So when God made man, he never broke his precedent. He spoke to where man came from. He spoke to himself. And he said, let us make man. The Trinitarians will tell you, see, there's the Trinity right there. I want to know how you can make us be three. Us just means plural. When the Queen of England, it's called the plurality of majesty. No, no. This is why Hebrews don't want anything to do with a lot of Christianity. Because they'll use verses like Genesis 1 and 26 to prove that there's multiple persons in God. See, Jews don't want anything to do with that because their deal is if you don't, if you can't understand the numerical integrity of God, you're serving a God that you don't understand. And so it says, let us, I don't doubt us means plural. Let us make man in our, which is a, a plural term. But you got to understand grammar, especially this kind of grammar in Hebrew. It's called the plurality of majesty. When you're dealing with kings and queens. It's, it's like the Queen of England. They never say she's coming. Read and read official royal proclamation. We will be there. And she shows up by herself. Because when you're dealing with a king or a queen, you give them a grammatical compliment and you use plural words because they're bigger than we are. They're different than we are. And if that doesn't prove it, You go to 27. How many men did God make? He didn't make three. He made one. When God made man, he spoke to himself. That's why whenever you take what God creates out of where it came from, it always dies. When you take fish out of water, where they came from, they die. When you take grass and trees out of dirt, where they came from, they die. And when you take men and women out of God, they die. And that's why there's this great verse in Acts 17 that says, In him we live. In him we move. In him, we have our being. The big philosophical question, why am I here? You know, it's right there. You're never going to know fulfillment in the Lord 
or you're never not going to know fulfillment in life without an experience with life. He doesn't just have life. He is life. <laughs> he knows more about living than anybody else. So it's like, who am I and why am I here? This is what the Bible said in Revelation. All things were created by him and for him and for his pleasure. So are we pleasing our creator? That's why we're here. And if we're not pleasing him, life's going to be depressing. It's going to be chemical crutches and always looking for something. And that's why you got to go back to him. That's why I found 562 times in the Bible is this phrase, in Christ. In Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And so it's it's powerful because when man sinned, it's 3 and 24 of Genesis. It said, the Lord put an angel to guard the way to the tree of life. Because if they could keep eating the tree of life, they could continue to live in a sinful state. And that's not his purpose. This is Calvary. This is a picture of the cross all the way back in Genesis 3 and 24. Somebody is going to have to be the victim of the sword in order to create a way to get back to the tree of life. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. He died and was the victim of the sword so that you and I could now experience the life that they had in the beginning. It's called the renewing of the Holy Ghost. And too many times we abbreviate that and say, okay, I got the Holy Ghost three months ago. I'm going to get the Holy Ghost again and again and again. And I'm all for that. But, 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 but it's bigger than that. Adam is the first spirit-filled man. And when people were filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts 2, that was the renewing of an experience that existed in the beginning. That's the whole story of the Bible. In the beginning, they're walking with him, they're talking with him, they're in communion with him, and they lose that, that relationship. And all of the Old Testament is God getting everything ready to prepare a way so that you and I could be in covenant relationship with him again. That's the Bible in two statements. That's it right there. And, 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 and so it's a domino effect when you look at two and seven. It says he breathed life, and then he's got a living soul. So what's the first casualty of Adam and Eve? The spirit. They don't have access to life. So what's going to suffer? The spirit. Well, I found this verse in study several years ago, and it explains it perfectly to me. It's in Malachi 2 and 15. It says it talks about the residue of the spirit. The residue of the spirit. So I've always given an example. It's like peeling an orange. The orange is gone, but the, but the, but the hull, the, the, the out, outer peelings are still there. It's like husking corn. You ate the corn, but you still got the husk. And, and, and see, I mean, what is the human spirit? Because when I read Genesis, it doesn't say Adam has a human spirit and a divine spirit. The only spirit he got, he got from God. But when he doesn't have access to life, there's something really bad going to happen here. That's why I think Malachi talks about the residue of the spirit. The human spirit is what's left after God's gone, but not completely gone. Because you still got the peelings. You still got the husk. That explains this verse. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Not A, not indefinite, it's definite. There's, there's something that you and I have that could please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But it says, he made sure everybody has the measure of faith. See, the fire is gone but, but there's a coal still smoldering in your spirit. The orange is gone, but you still got the peelings. Something's left as evidence that it was there. 
And that's why multiple times in the Bible, there's the phrase that goes like this, a bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench. Which, what's it? You and I have got this, this thing smoldering inside of our spirit. That's the leftover. And God ain't going to put it out. He's not going to quench that thing that's still smoldering inside of us. Listen to this verse. This is a great verse. This is Amos 3. Thus saith the Lord, as the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out that dwell in Samaria. It's, it, this is, he said, I'm not going to get the whole carcass out, but, 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 but I, I might be able to get two legs or, or maybe an ear. <laughs> it's amazing what God can do with leftovers. And all you and I have left over after he's gone is just this measure of faith. And so the spirit suffers life. And, and the Bible said, because man was given life, the soul lived. So what's, it's a domino effect. When they sin, the spirit suffers. There's no life in the thing. And because of that, the soul can't live. Because you got a problem. Because he, in Genesis 2 and 17, God told Adam, in the day you eat the forbidden fruit, you're going to die. But I can prove to you, it's in Genesis 5 and 5, Adam lived to be 930 years old. He didn't die on the day he ate the fruit. But the word said, on the day you eat it. So there's got to be something else going on here. He didn't die physically on the day he sinned. So there has to be another explanation. And the explanation is obvious. It's in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18 and verse 4. It said, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father is mine. The soul of the Son is mine. And the soul, not the, not the body, the soul that sins will die. So that tells me there's another death. And that's why we get it all mixed up in this world. We are so myopic and so short-sighted. We think death is, 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 is a funeral and a, and a box and a, and a hole six feet in the ground. And we think life is vacations and paychecks. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that death is sin and life is Jesus Christ. And if you understand that, it's very powerful because you can be dead before you die. I'll prove it to you. It's in Ephesians 2 and verse 1. And you hath he quickened or made alive who were, past tense, not going to be. You already were dead. Where? In trespass and sin. Jesus one time said, let the dead bury the dead. We need a revelation about what real death is. Don't be afraid of the person that can kill the body. Don't worry about that. There's something more important than that. And that's why, listen, this is John 11, story of Lazarus, the guy, his pal that died. Jesus shows up four days late. I knew a pastor years ago that missed a funeral. And he realized it the next day. And he called the family and said, I'm so sorry, I forgot. You can't make that up. You, you can't undo that. You get one shot at that. Unless you're Jesus. See, Jesus met. We have three stories in the Bible of Jesus going to funerals, and every one of them ended in a party. Jairus' daughter just died. You know, the widow's son was in the box on the way to get buried. Lazarus has been buried for four days. This is cool, see, because the degree, you see the, see the progression? Here's someone that just died. Somebody's already in a box. Somebody's already in the ground. See, the degree of death is immaterial when the resurrection shows up. 
it doesn't matter how long someone's been dead. Recently, doesn't matter. He said in the book of John, or he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Listen, this is verse 25. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. They said, oh, he's talking about Lazarus. Not just Lazarus. Watch the next verse. And whosoever, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. See, years ago, years ago in Pentecost, they had the never die doctrine. And they were so depressed. These people kept dying. Why? Because they didn't understand what death was. And if you don't understand what death was, you're never going to understand what life is. Death is sin. Life is Jesus. And if you get him in you, you never die again. That's a good deal. See, if you only get born once, you're going to die twice. (laughs) Because the Bible talks about the second death. But if you get born twice, you only have to die once. And that's a maybe. Because some are going to be alive and remain when he comes. (laughs) You have to realize, ladies and gentlemen, that the prize, we spend so much time on this flesh. I got to be real careful because this is a pet peeve of mine. I, 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 it's, it's, it, men and women just, just overtaken with their body. The gravity wins. You understand? I've seen women, my God, if, if, if something, if, the, if their face just started to crack, it'd go. <laughs> it's like their ears are pinned all the way in the back of their head. I see men that are terrified. You know that verse that says, doesn't nature teach you that it's a shame for a man to have long hair? You know what that means? Don't you know that sooner or later you're going to go bald? It's what it says in the Greek language. We're so, we're just, we're just hung up on this flesh. Here's the verse. You ever heard this? You ever heard this? Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Doesn't say that. This is what it says. It said the body is going to go back to the earth. And it said the spirit is going to go back to the God that gave it. And that's all it says. So here's the big elephant in the room. What about contestant number two? What happens to the soul? I know where the body's going to go, I know where the spirit's going to go. Where's the soul going to go? Because you've got to understand, ladies and gentlemen, the soul is the real prize. It's what Satan's after. It's what the Lord's after. Have you ever heard, well, we had so many souls saved. What does that mean? This is what the Bible says. Here's the book of Hebrews 10 and 39. We are not of them who draw back into perdition, which means destruction and a terrible way of life. We are not of them who draw back into perdition, but believe to the saving of the soul. Here's 1 Peter 1 and 9. Receiving the end of your faith. Not the beginning. The end of your faith. The salvation of your soul. What does it mean to get your soul saved? we got to have that happen. So listen to this verse. These are favorite verses of mine. Here, see, see, watch how man was made. First there's the body then the spirit, then the soul. So man's in trouble. Body's still working great, but the soul ain't working because the soul can't live without the life of God's presence. So you got a body that's functioning perfect, but their thought life's a mess. And their spirit is like a shriveled up prune. So in order for God to reclaim us, he's got to trace back the steps. So what's the first thing he's got to deal with? The soul. That's why in Leviticus 17 and 11, this is what it says. The life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement, not for your spirit, but for your your soul. Jesus died 2,000 years ago. 
There's only one legal liquid that can deal with sin, and that's blood. But God is spirit. And if God remains spirit, he can't, he can't redeem nobody. So he's got to get a body. And that's what the incarnation is all about. It says we're redeemed, we were purchased with the precious. The word precious in Greek means extremely rare. The blood that's in the body of Jesus enlightened none of us because it's not tainted with sin because he doesn't have an earthly father. Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. So that, that, that body is something, it's called the redemption of Israel. So self, just like Joseph was Zephanathaniah, the, the savior of the world. That's what Jesus is. Behold the Lamb of God, John said, which take away the sin of the whole world. This is, this is amazing, ladies and gentlemen. And so, so the blood is, look, look at that word atonement. Break it into three words. At one meant. You want to get back together with your creator? You got to get atoned. That's not possible without the blood. Jesus died 2,000 years ago. How do we access the blood today? Glad you asked. Here's John 20 and 31. These things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you might have life, not through his blood, but through his name. Because the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So according to John 20 and 31, if you have the name, you've got life, right? If you've got life, according to Leviticus 17, 11, you got the power of the blood. If you've got blood, According to Hebrews 9 and 22, you have remission. If you have remission, God got Alzheimer's. You're a new creation. He doesn't see you the way you were ever. You're, it's a brand new, brand new. But if you don't have the name, you can't have life. I, where, where was I? I was in Dallas last week, and there was this, this Spanish guy, Jesus. I said, man, I've been looking for you for a long time. Traylon showed me a vine a couple years ago. It was so funny. Two Spanish kids, a beautiful Spanish girl, looking at this Spanish boy, and she says, I cannot be your girlfriend anymore. He said, why not? She said, I am in love with Jesus. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it flashes, and all of a sudden, his pal Jesus is in the back doing the yard work, and he says, Jesus, I've got to kill you. And he thinks his pal stole his girl. Lots of Mexican kids named Jesus. But they didn't die and resurrect by their own power. They didn't shed their blood for your sins. If you don't have the name, there is a name above every name. I wish I could stop there because the Bible said his name is above every name. But there is a scripture that says he was high and lifted. That's our job. He's, he's automatically above stuff. But it's our job to lift him even higher than that. To where there's nothing, nothing on the horizon. They saw Jesus only. You got to lift up your eyes for that to happen. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. A lot of scripture about that. And so what amazes me is if you don't have the name of Jesus, you can't have life. If you don't have life, you don't have blood. If you don't have blood, without blood, there is no remission. If there's no remission, you just got wet. That's why there's this great verse in Acts 5 where they beat the disciples. I've got it written down here. Acts 5 and 28. Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. And you in, do you intend to bring this man's blood upon us? Yes. Because that's the only way you can bring his blood on a city by preaching and teaching the name, the bloods in the name. Okay? So why do you repent? It's basically saying, I tried it my way. I messed it up. I want to do it your way. Okay? There's forgiveness there, but there's no remission there. Remission is only possible through baptism in his name. You got it? So what does water baptism in his name do? It atones your soul. It fixes the soul problem. Now what's that mean? You're thinking better. 
But here's the problem. The soul won't stay alive without the Spirit. You've got to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because that's the way you'll keep thinking right. What a baptism. I've never seen anybody come out of baptism in Jesus' name and go, Oh! Ugh! Why did I ever let you talk me into that? Oh, that was disgusting. Everybody I've ever seen get baptized comes up smiling, rising to walk in newness of life. Why? Your thought life has changed. But you're not going to continue to think right. You need the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the Holy Ghost will it will deal with your spirit, not your soul. See, you've got a spirit, a soul, and a body. In order for God to get man back, first he's got to fix the soul. He did that through his blood and his name. Remember that scripture said, do not, whatever God puts together, don't let not man put asunder. People always use that at a wedding. It doesn't say man and woman. Don't lend them to a, to a wedding. It said whatever God puts together. I can prove you in the Bible from the beginning. God joined obedience with blessing. He joined disobedience with judgment. You're not going to live long enough to untie that. God joined that together. God joined his name with his blood. He told Peter, whatever you bind, I'll back you up. Whatever you loose, I'll back you up. Peter preached baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Peter, in obedience to Acts and Matthew 28, 19, and on, 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 he was obeying the commandment of the Lord. When Peter tied the name to water baptism, you're never going to live long enough to untie those two. God joined them together. Don't you ever take that apart. <laughs> and it becomes amazing to me because do you see what's going on? Your soul has been redeemed by the blood. Your spirit has been adopted by the Holy Ghost. Now it's two against one. Flesh is going to fight you until you die or he takes you. Hopefully it's the same thing. Remember that story about the rich man and Lazarus? It said the rich man died and was buried. It said Lazarus was died and was carried. That's better. Hey, I want to get carried. I love this story about Enoch. It said, for he was not, because God took him. I mean, here's his wife. Got dinner ready. Where's he at? God took him. That's okay. He's the boss. We're the applesauce. If he would say, hey, come here. Yes, sir. Boom. Let's go. That's the way we live. Say, what? What, what do you? I, I've spent a half an hour trying to explain something to you. Because listen to this first. This is, see, the prize is the soul. And my question is, what's the soul? The soul is the real you. It's the thing that's going to live forever somewhere. That body's going back to dust. That spirit's going back to God. What about the real you? That's your choice. You want to go to hell? You can go. You want to go to heaven? You can go. It's a decision. Have you made that choice? Have you been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with tongues? Because the tongue is the hardest member of the body to control. And you cannot say that God is in complete control of your life until God has controlled the most difficult part of your body, which is your mouth. When God takes over your speech and magnifies himself in a language you don't know, that, ladies and gentlemen, is power. That's deliverance. Explain that. I can't. Too many things go on in church that can be explained. We want things to happen that nobody can explain. Say, Pastor, where are you going with this? Be, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your body. You got to get that body on the altar. 
you got to get that flesh submittedly. There's no way around this. That's why we've been fasting. That's why we've been praying. Let's face it, the flesh don't like to pray. It doesn't like it. I'm tired, preacher. For God's sakes, I work 14 hours a day. I'm putting that little white envelope in the pot. Isn't that enough? I paid the 10% tax. For God's sakes, are you all just blank glad I show up every now and then? But in the spirit, it's saying, take me back to God. Because what is prayer? It's dependence on a higher power. We're the craziest hillbillies in the world if we think we can build an apostolic church without the Holy Ghost, without conviction, without anointing. I've heard people say for years, anointing breaks the yoke. No, it doesn't. It says anointing destroys the yoke. It destroys it. Can't glue that sucker back together again. I beseech you by the mercy of God, present your body a living sacrifice. It's reasonable. It's reasonable. I'm not asking you for something that's unreasonable. You gave your body to sin. You know how stupid you looked when you were drunk? Saying all kinds of horrible stuff. I want to know why they don't say, Satan, damn it. That's one of the greatest witnesses to God there's ever been, cussing. They don't ever say, Satan, damn it. It's God, damn it. How come when you mess up your finger, you go, oh, Lucifer. But it's always Jesus Christ. I want to know how many wasted trips. If you speak, I can prove it to you. Two men are walking from Jerusalem back to Emmaus, depressed. They're not, they're not full of faith. They're depressed. Their Messiah has died. They are depressed, but they make the terrible mistake, the wonderful mistake of saying, Jesus. When he says that, when they say that, the duet becomes a trio. All of a sudden, he's walking with them. And the Bible said, he said, why are you so downcast? And they said, where have you been the last three days? I've been in the lower parts of the earth. That's where I've been. I got the keys to death and hell. <laughs> and the Bible said, beginning, at, I love this, beginning at Moses and the Psalms and the prophets, he gave them every scripture concerning how he must needs die and resurrect. Wouldn't you love to have a sermon by Jesus going through the whole Old Testament saying that thing that that was me. You know, that, 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 that thing that took the place of Isaac on that mat. That, that was me. Remember Job saying there's hope of a tree if it began. That was me. On and on. Remember that thing Isaiah talked about as a lamb to the slaughter, sheep before his shear. That was me. I would love to have Jesus going through all of the old covenant saying, there's me, there's me, there's me, there's me. All of a sudden, by the time the road splits, they're, they're going to, they're, they're going to, he's going, it, it said, it's as if, this is important. It's if he was going to go further. You got to remember that. He's not a king by force. He's not going to burglarize you. You got to understand, you got to invite him into your house. You got to want him to be in your marriage. <laughs> you got to want them to be in your finances and in your thought life. And they said, oh, come with us. This, this stuns me. It stuns me. It's, <laughs> oh, yeah, we want you to look modest. Why? Because I don't want a bunch of young boys looking at women going, whoa, in church. I want you to be modest. If it's not for sale... Don't put it in the window. Is that strong enough? But it says, you need something else to happen to you. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by speaking in tongues. No, no, no. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's that mean? That's your thought life. That's your soul. That's the prize. Because that's not possible without renewing in the spirit and brokenness in prayer on a regular basis. Everybody ought to pastor for three months. And you're dealing with people and you're going, hey, hey, bozo. When was the last time you ever prayed? Have you even been in the Word in the last six months other than what you heard in church? 
I mean, answer that question, ladies and gentlemen. It would stun you how many Pentecostals don't read the Bible. It's still January. Do you have a one-year Bible? If you don't get one, get in that word. There's still time. Don't buy a one-year Bible in July. It's depressing. You're going, oh, for goodness sakes, i got to read all of that? Start now and get with us. Jumping rope. <laughs> what are you talking about, Pastor? He was a man after God's heart. What's God's heart? It's the way he thinks. So what are we doing? We're chasing God. Saying, I, I want to be a man after God's heart. I want to be a woman after. I want, I got there's a, there's a story in the book of Kings. They'll put the verse up. There, the city, I got to stop. The city is besieged. And the prophet's there. And he's got this, he's got this, this assistant pastor with him. And the assistant pastor's melting down, which is not a good day ever. You know, you got to have a unified voice in the ministry. Assistant pastor is losing it. And all of a sudden, the prophet says, God, would you just open up his eyes? And all of a sudden, it said he looked, and here's all the enemy around the city, but on top of all the mountains around the city were angels with chariots. Did you ever read that? By uh, it said uh, there's a, in, in King James talks about the angel of the Lord. I love the message because it says the angel of the or the the Lord of the angel armies. I like that. <laughs> so I've been here 45 minutes trying to explain something to you. You need to see it the way the Lord sees it. You need to see you the way he sees you. You're not a loser. You're still breathing. As long as you're breathing, you got a shot. Let everything that hath breath, praise ye the Lord. There's an enemy out there that says, you, you might as well forget it. You might as well give up. That's the same people that says, you're never going to think like he does. You're never going to see it his way. I'm appealing and offering you something today. You can take on the mind of Christ. You can start seeing this say this city the way the Lord sees it. You can either see it as a garbage dump or Jesus said it's a field white to harvest right now, right now, right now. You can just see it half full or half empty. I'm appealing to you. Have you been buried in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? You need to get your soul dealt with. Your thought life is going to, it's going to be a sewer until you get it cleansed through the blood that's in the name. If you'll do that and press, believe, you've got the measure of faith. You've got enough faith for God to smile on you and say, there's one of my kids that finally figured it out. Said, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to you. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. Hallelujah. 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 Just come with me. Prayerfully. Come, come with me around this. I won't embarrass you. I, I'll, I'll do my best not to embarrass you. Just, just come. Just come, 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 come. Do you understand? I, I Somewhere in this crowd is Anthony. Where's, where's Anthony at? I haven't seen Anthony in 20 years. 20 years. 20 years. But he told Carrie, I can't get the church off my mind. I got to be here. I, I had dinner last night with Don Ellen Estelle, and, 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 and she told me, we have been visiting all kinds of churches. She said, I walked into the lobby and said, this is it. Never heard the sermon, never heard the music, said, this is it. I just smiled from ear to ear because there's a lot of people like that in this city. Broken people, bruised people. They just, they ought to be the embassy. They, ought to, they don't even need to be in church. Just driving down to Quindergo. What is that? 
that the puppet master of the universe is. Don't you understand? He loves you. The Bible said your steps are ordered. They're ordered. You're not here by chance today. This is not percentages. You are here under divine indictment to exploit this day in this moment right now. And we begin with making a fresh consecration to him and say, I'm going to do it your way. Bow your head with me and let's pray a prayer of repentance. Lord, I tried it my way. I, I, I expended every option. I went through every door. I tried every option. It didn't work. I'm here today because you're merciful. <laughs> I'm here today because you're long-suffering. You, I, I'm the last person that ought to be here right now. But in your mercy and in your long-suffering, you have given me another chance and you've given me another shot. And, you, and, you, and I'm here today guided. My steps are guided to be around this altar right now. And so I'm going to take advantage of this moment and let you know, Jesus, I, I deeply, deeply apologize to you. And I'm sorry for stupid stuff that I thought, terrible things that I let linger in my mind because they didn't just stay in my mind. They got to my mouth. I've said some very lousy things, Lord. My hands have touched. My hands have been dirty for a long time. My feet, my, my feet have been dirty for, a, I've gone to places that, that I know you were with me and I'm, I'm ashamed that my shepherd had to follow me into some of the mud holes that I've walked through. I apologize. You know what I did. You know what I said. But I'm owning up to it right now, Lord Jesus. I, I got to have your help. I, I want to get married. I have a wife. I got children now. I got people dependent on me. I got to worry about my own soul. I got to get right now, Lord. I'm asking you, God, to hear my prayer. Hear my bitter prayer of repentance. Because I, I can't do this without you. I can't buy my way out of it. I can't educate my way out of it. I can't get a job and find my way out of it. You are the door. You are the way to the truth and ultimately to the life. So I submit myself to you and to your word and your ways because I feel you dealing with me right now, God, and your ways are trying to get into my thought life. And the way that you look at things is starting to get into my vision. That the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened and that I would see, I would see it the way it really is, God. Oh, Jesus, hear my prayer today. Humbly, Lord, humbly I submit myself to you. Oh, Lord, heal me. Heal me today, Lord. Heal me today. I'm not going to stop at repentance, Lord. I heard what this preacher said. I heard what he taught me out of your word today. I'm going to get buried in your name. I'm going to be baptized in your name. I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to be a man in covenant. I want to be a woman in covenant. I don't want to live outside of the territory of the protection of my God and my master. Oh, Jesus, this is your house. I've heard your word. I'm exposed to your spirit. I expose myself. I need your name. I plead the blood. I'm asking you, God, today.